no chance. What's up, everybody? Episode 23 of the No Chance Podcast. As always, your hosts, your counselors of streetwear, your sultans of streetwear, Ryan. And Nate. And uh, we are live. Man, I'm, I love that, that like pregame jitters I always get whenever we hit record. Uh, episode 23, it's our, uh, our Jordan episode, Pretty sure that's right? just indigestion. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> it's uh, our Jordan episode. We're super hyped to be here talking to you guys today. Episode 22 got well, like damn near 100 listens in a weekend. Yeah, in like maybe three days or so. It's so crazy yeah. how we like we gas ourselves up when we when we see stuff like that. When most like popular artists will get like hundreds of thousands of listens in a in a single day, but man, we'll take what we can get at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, we are sort of figuring ourselves out in terms of where we record this. We're in a random, I want to say, random skyscraper building yeah, in downtown San Francisco once again. In San Francisco. Funny story. Let me let me break it down to you guys. So my first time sort of using this sort of office center and San Francisco is pretty well known for having these like co-working co would you call it co-working, I guess? Co-working. Yeah. Um, more of just like a space you could rent. Basically what it is, yeah, is just a space you can rent out. Like a rentable on an hour office or whatever. Yeah. But this co-working center where you can rent out a private office for pay on an hourly basis. So we're in this new one. It's a little bit cheaper. This is midday. It's um, actually our 23rd episode on January 23rd. So how about hey. that? Um, yeah, so I didn't know how to get to It's on the 13th floor. Didn't know how to get to the 13th floor. Went to the elevator, typed in 13, t- didn't go to anything. So I snuck into an elevator. It went to the ninth floor. So I said, well, every tall building has an emergency exit. I can just take the stairs, right? wrong i get into the stairs and i walk up and try to open the door and it's fucking locked like all right cool i'll go back to okay this guy calls me (laughs) and he's like hey uh where are you i'm kind of stuck in the stairwell luckily (laughs) luckily nate was only around the corner so but i didn't need his help anyway but i i would have if i really didn't know how to get out tried to go to the sixth floor open the door nothing fifth floor nothing literally walked 10 flights of stairs just to get to the emergency exit where I opened the fire escape and the alarm went off, at least within the back area. And I got out and now we're here recording our episode. So uh, shout out to uh, a little adventure prior to us recording. Um, As always, shout out. Wait, what were you going to say? Shout out to everybody, man. We always got to give a shout out to uh, to our fans. I got a little ahead of myself. There's a lot more people than I think we we actually know of that listen to our podcast because for the the few people that we communicate with on Instagram and on Twitter, you would only think that we get like 20 listens under. Yeah. But every time I see like a friend or somebody who I haven't seen in a while, they're always like, Hey, I've been listening to the podcast. It's so weird. Like podcast is sick. Like keep it up. Okay. Well, why don't you follow us? Like where's (laughs) the social media follower? Where's the, like the further interest? What do you think that is? Like, why do you think it's more of like, Okay, I see you posted on your personal Instagram. I listen. 
and that's it like what's the first there's no like further action well i mean i I think it's because one they already know me in person so it's like they don't really need to follow me again since they know it's me you know yeah 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 i I think think, that's what it is i think with the the project we have coming up actually a few projects hopefully a few projects uh we have under our belt coming up i think it'll prompt people to definitely follow the no chance podcast and on that note make sure you guys follow us on every single social media platform that we have we greatly appreciate it um okay so is this the part where i could say what are we going to talk about today yes all right what are we going to talk about today (laughs) that is that is going to be on our first piece of merch it's going to be nate's face without so what are we we talking talking about about today today? (laughs) (laughs) and basically we're going to get into a lot of i want to call this like a not necessarily random topics, but we kind of broke it down and we asked the que- we asked people who followed us to kind of send any sort of questions that they had at the top of their head, anything revolving around streetwear, shoes, clothing, outfits, random shit, maybe what to eat for breakfast, for lunch, whatever. Um, so we have a couple questions we'll read here and then we'll kind of dive into not really our main topic, but a topic that I think is really important. We've covered in previous episodes, right? Like which which one was it? This the Supreme one we were talking about um, them being bought out or being yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah that was like the Supreme billion dollar evaluated for yeah. a billion dollars, yeah. right? Um, so we'll get a little bit into the finances, economics of streetwear in that industry. Uh, but for now, let's talk a little bit about these questions. Uh, let's see what I got here. First one is people a lot a lot uh, we have a couple people asking us about our first reactions to the new nike uh react technology it's i mean it's been around for a little bit with off-white did it right there the hyperdunk had react uh oh yeah yeah that was one of the i think that was the first shoe to have react yeah was the hyperdunk yeah um so the technology itself has been around but Mm -hmm. um yeah, I don't know. They just do you know, like, that kind of went super of, under the radar. Yeah, do you know like a little bit of background behind like the Epic React like stuff, like the actual like technology or whatever? Um, I mean, just from prior knowledge and the stuff that they're putting out in teasers, like basically I'm guessing that it's something that's supposed to be responsive, so something mm-hmm. that's going to be springier, but also nice and cushioned, so really soft as well. So I think it's going to be a kind of a combination of that. Yeah. And if you felt if you felt like the hyperdunk react before, you can kind of tell already that it's. Oh, also, there's a Jordan shoe that had the react too. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. It was like a, ba- a Jordan basketball shoe. Oh shit. Yeah. So I think those two. Had, well, then that definitely went under the radar yeah, because I had no idea that that yeah. even came out. Yeah. Um. So supposedly the new Nike React is a cushioning system that's supposed to be and sort of what it's diving into the market and being is a competitor towards boost and i've always seen things that try to make um almost like replicas or to to almost combat a certain product as almost making it seem as if they're already lesser than it so if you're making a product to beat out boost then that you're acknowledging that you're lesser yeah than than the actual thing right yeah yeah. every samsung android phone is trying to make the iphone killer so it's already acknowledging that iphones are the pinnacle so that's a good that's a it's a it's a good it's a weird uh yeah perspective on how i look at competitors and how they advertise their products but with nike and naming it the react uh, it almost makes it seem like they're 
I mean, I'm just going to use the word within itself is just reacting to a situation or reacting to a current competitor in a marketplace that they've never really, or that's kind of new, I would say. What do you mean? Like in what sense? So like we talked about it in a previous episode, there's the current trend, which is so huge right now is this idea of athleisure, right? Yeah. So whether you work out or you want to look like you work out, and we almost t- we talked about faking it until you make it in the previous episode. But this idea of looking the part um, is what a lot of people have been doing nowadays. You have a lot of these niche group uh, fitness classes, like a Soul Cycle, like a uh, all these like weird CrossFit classes where people want to look the part without necessarily doing all the work. Um, not to say that nobody's actually working out nowadays, but everybody wants uh, Instagram influencers <laughs> is another big thing, right? Yeah. Everybody wants to look fit and be fit and i think that adidas with their whole boost collection like they really targeted that group of people and made it really successful because that's all you really see those shoes on right you don't you don't really see people wearing them to run in yeah i was gonna say i don't really see i mean there are people out there that do run in like ultra boost yeah or, like pure boost or, or easy sometimes but um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for the most part, it is more of a lifestyle shoe, I think. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, as far as looking at Nike React from, like, a performance perspective, like, for somebody who's going to actually run in it, yeah. like, what do you think? Is it a, I think is it a like, cool shoe or not? Aesthetically and performance-wise, that's something they've always succeeded in, right? Yeah. Um, every technology that Nike puts out always is top tier. Obviously, when it comes to how they deal with niche groups, they tend to fall off, right? So with Nike running shoes, you never really see Nike running shoes on hardcore runners, like real runners. Like if you ever watch like running groups, if you see people who run like, you know, 10, 20 miles in a day, not often are they actually wearing Nike shoes. They're wearing like Brooks or like Asics. Asics, like ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you have all, of, I wouldn't call them, I'm not going to call them fake runners either, but they're <laughs> runners who are working themselves up to becoming. Well, I mean, everybody has their preference. Exactly, you know? like, exactly. But I mean, with, with like the niche group of like, I'm running 20, 25 a day, I I prefer these shoes for these particular reasons. And it's hard to, it's, it's very rare that you do see Nikes on people. Or even Adidas sometimes. Yeah. So, and that makes sense, right? You have a niche group of people. They go after a niche product or whatever. But I think with Adidas and Boost, they have that market of influencers, fitness girls, athleisure people. They have that down packed. Yeah, I think so. And and Nike doesn't have that in terms of where we want to, where they want to be. Well, I think for Nike and Adidas like it's kind of comparing apples and oranges in some sense because yeah. Adidas I feel like has all their spends all their time and energy into catering to that lifestyle yeah. like that lifestyle consumer yeah um, which is what they're really good at where as opposed to like Nike who is really good at um, appealing to more of like the performance mm-hmm. someone who wants more of a performance shoe yeah. so like a basketball shoe or a running shoe yeah. you know like I think um Nike is definitely more successful in that aspect. So it's yeah. kind of, it kind of depends what lens you're looking at it through. You they know? definitely, they're definitely looking to jump into that, I guess, that realm of influencer athleisure yeah. marketing. I mean, they, they've definitely had their foot in it for a while already. Yeah. Um, 
I think. But with like what shoe? If you could really think of a technology or a shoe that some of these girls that you see on Instagram, not to say that we follow a bunch of these girls, but <laughs> what type of shoes are they wearing? They're wearing boosts. They're wearing boosts or they're wearing like just lifestyle shoes in general, like retro Nikes, Air Max 97s, huge. Like, but okay, let's let's talk let's talk like like the grand scheme of things, right? Yeah. So you're either uh, on Instagram as a, a a girl that's this famous. You're you're trying to do one of three things. You're trying to show people that you could do hair, makeup, and nails, right? That's one thing. And, and I'm not th- I'm not talking about normal girls. I'm talking about girls that want to make a business out of Instagram. So strictly Instagram influencers. You're either about beauty, hair, skin, and nails. You're about maybe food and fitness and then you're about style and fashion right it's like covers True. sort of every facet of what they're trying to do on instagram now and when you and i'm just talking about the girls that are fit and you know healthy and wellness they're all wearing boosts and it's the social presence that i think adidas has with their shoe that really trumps all sorts of of what nike's doing because that's you're you're talking about their social influence and they're spreading those shoes fast, right? They have millions of followers, all the girls that want to be like them and look like them. They're looking at the shoes they have on and none of them are working out in Nike's in these gyms. These oh. fitness models are never really working out in Nike's. I mean, I think it has less to do with like brand loyalty and I think it has more to do with the bottom line. Exactly. Like, like, exactly. It doesn't. I don't think it really matters for the influencer, at least. Like yeah. if they're Adidas or Nike, it just yeah. matters like who's cutting the check. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. But I get what you're saying. Like going beyond the influencer, going to that person who maybe is um, following that person. I think maybe then it's more of like a, oh, like I see this person wearing it like this. Mm-hmm. Like this looks kind of cool. Yeah. All like I'm interested now. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I like you made a good point and just say like they're they're cut from two different cloths right like nike's purely performance adidas is very involved in like their there's being present in the social landscape of culture right Mm -hmm. i think nike makes the nike react to see like hey man like we get it like style wise these style and fashion girls they're wearing air forces and air maxes and jordans right Mm -hmm. but we don't have the athleisure girl fully under our belt let's make something that is kind of like the boost because I'm, I'm pretty sure they saw it as being a competitor towards the boost like yeah. you can't be in that 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 drawing room and be like oh you know like we're making something totally brand new like it's it's not essentially culturally it's not anything brand new yeah maybe like performance wise just yeah. to go off that um i think the last really big nike performance shoe that i've seen do really well as a lifestyle shoe as well yeah. has been something like the Flyknit Trainer, like the mm-hmm. Flyknit Racer. Or even Vapormax. Yeah, I think Adidas does a good job of turning performance silhouettes into something that kind of caters to the lifestyle yeah. person as well. Yeah. Um, I think Nike right now is trying to do that with the Nike React. Like mm-hmm. they want to ke- uh, be able to cater to both with one shoe. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And, and the, like it, it's hard because they understand like it's hard to – to switch around these girls obviously if they give them more shoes and more money they could do that easily but in terms of like their social influence with amongst these these girls that really affect how we deal with social media right like from the people that we see to the people 
our friends see like there's a lot of influence amongst these like fitness girls so using something like the react is their way of like like dangling the carrot in front of the horse right so it's like we get it you're a part of adidas but let me give you this shoe that's semi the same there's just a swoosh attached to it yeah and i think that that is where nike needs to be because that's where they're they're somewhat losing all right um so that's a good that's a good so uh, overall what would you rate that shoe it looks awesome aesthetically it looks dope i would totally buy it i would have to see it in different colorways because the colorways that they came out with were kind of like yeah and and i'm using it as like a um like the benchmark of what they released recently with like runner trainer looking sportswear shoes right Mm -hmm. so like Flyknit Racers, they haven't released that in a while. Mariah Racers, um, Dual Tone Racers, all trash, right? They released this one. It's almost like a better, newer rendition, and there's comfort attached to it. I think it looks cool. Yeah. Probably because we were dealing with so much trash in the past couple <laughs> months. That's probably why it looks so cool. So our standards are kind of low for, okay. for Nike would, shoes right now. I would probably give it out of 10 probably like seven and a half yeah depending on the colorway i would say so too and obviously like i haven't tried it on so it's hard for me to say yeah but my re- initial reaction would be like 7.5 and our our like our sense of style isn't really geared towards rocking that shoe you know what i mean it de- like i said it all depends on the colorway yeah. like if it was like an all black colorway probably probably yeah like i'd probably maybe. be i'd probably buy it yeah yeah I think it's I think it's pretty good for what it is. I think they're definitely trying to dive into a market that's important to be in nowadays. Obviously, yeah. your influence is is on billboards and on YouTube videos, but where are you on Instagram? <laughs> so, yeah. really think about your influencer marketing instead of trying to you know use somebody like Odell Beckham Jr. to sell some shoes. He ain't selling shoes really. Um, okay. What's uh, what's the next, next question? Next this question. one is an interesting one because this one really dove deep into something that I've been seeing a lot on Hypebeast articles. And it's this sort of, I don't know if you would call it oversaturated or watered down, but this these collaborations with, do you want to just say like anime or do you want to say with overall like cartoons or just like graphic character? How, how would you want to describe that? Um... I mean, there's definitely a lot of, there have definitely been a lot of collaborations with like anime franchises as well as like just other really influential, like either films or Mm -hmm. TV shows, things like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's just because we're entering this sort of time period where like we were talking about every before everything is so accessible. So like films, TV, stuff like that is available in the blink of an eye. So mm-hmm. I think it's just on everybody's mind, you know? Yeah. So I think it's, obviously it's been a really important part of pop culture Yeah. Um, for forever. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? What I think, you- well, uh, by the way, this question was proposed to us by Ruth. Ruth from South Florida. South Florida. Amazing, like drawing skills. Shout out to you, Ruth. Thanks for the question. Um, but I think you're right, like anime and all of these sort of, I hate using this word so much, but niche graphic, like uh, a- animated TV shows or whatever yeah. are so, they were so particular back in the day, right? Like mm-hmm. the only people that you know would watch anime would be, 
your nerdy Asian friends most of the time, right? And they would end up putting you onto it as like, oh, this is what I'm into. Like, have you ever seen this before? Like, no way in hell. Yeah. And it'd be through all these like random sites where you can get a bunch of like viruses and shit. And you'd have to stream it from all these foreign sites. But now it's all on Netflix. So everyone has the access to it, like you said. You know what I think it is? I think it's that... I think it's those kids that watch anime in mm-hmm. the 90s, like early 2000s. Like, uh, like, uh, well, I didn't watch anime, but I'm just saying like, yeah, in our age range, they're grown up now. They're in their 20s. Mm-hmm. So now they're just using their childhood as references for um, whatever it is they may be doing. Like no. If it's clothing yeah. or, you know. Anything. That's definitely true. And yeah. you start to see like, for example, you see the... Uh, the kids who watched it a lot when they were younger, like you said, 90s, 2000s, and they're all wearing Supreme, yeah. right? They're the yeah. ones showing up to the the lineups and the drops and stuff, and they're talking about it and people are listening. But I think what it is mostly is, and one of the biggest purveyors of this is, is Supreme, right? They just did one with Akira, and that's like a good example of, of this whole thing is you have Supreme in different countries. You have Supreme in Japan. You have Supreme in, in London. You have Supreme in New York. There's a lot of cultural influences from each that I feel like they choose independently of those certain regions. So like um, a Laurel, how do you pronounce it? Laurel Piana, right, is a material that they constantly use for their like camp hats. Yeah. And that's based out of... I'm pretty sure that's Italy. Italy. Or like Europe, whatever, right? You have um, like all these different collaborations that they do that are almost like geographically specific sometimes. So like Akira is huge, but if you have an entire Japanese consumer base that obviously lives off of Akira or loves that shit, and to us it's maybe like, I don't know, what would you compare Akira to to Japanese culture for us? (sighs) In terms of like maybe SpongeBob? No, it's <laughs> totally I don't know. But anyways, like Akira is just—it's almost—it seems like a graphic novel in like in like cinema form. You know, it's what like I'm an, it's like an iconic movie for that culture, as yeah. well as is very uh, very popular amongst American culture as well. But mm-hmm. them being already in Japan and having their foothold in Japan, they're making something that Japanese people can almost resonate to more than American people. Yeah. So when I see these anime collaborations in Dragon Ball Z with, what is it? Uh, not Adidas, is it? Yeah. Adidas yeah. and Bape. Bape has done it too. You, you, you get it, right? Like it's based out of where those companies are or where those companies have a major foothold in and where most of their consumer base lies. So obviously if I'm going to be if I'm going to be the hundreds and I'm based out of LA and you have universal and Disney and all these other things there, of course I'm going to make some collaboration with animaniacs. Like everybody here knows about them. So it only makes sense to attach yourself. If you're based off of um, traditional American pop culture, then I'm going to chase after this traditional American pop culture brand, which is the animaniacs and I'm going to collab with them. So it's not very surprising to see a company like Bape, to do a collaboration with a Dragon Ball Z, you know, yeah. like it only makes sense. Well, I th- another part of that, um, I think that streetwear being sort of like a niche, like subculture in itself kind of resonates with a lot of people who watch anime because anime yeah. is very like, 
niche part of like pop culture. Oh, definitely. Like I, I don't watch anime, but yeah. I know other people who do. So it's not necessarily like mainstream. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why the connection is like somewhat there because those two groups not not necessarily not necessarily share a direct connection, but yeah. they're related in sort of that they're not you know on everybody's radar. No, you make sense. a lot of sense. Yeah. It's it's subculture relating to subculture. Yeah, not in the terms of what we have in common, but how we both maybe live our lives in terms yeah. of feeling like an outsider or feeling like, yeah. you know, we're different. So definitely not surprised by a lot of that, but there was one that Ruth mentioned that kind of caught me off guard, which is r- super random. It's sketchers and one piece. Have you ever heard of one piece? Mm. I know of one piece is I went to Japan and they had it at universal studios or something like that. It was like super popular, but sketchers, getting into the game with an anime company. I think they have the right idea, but obviously nobody fucks with Skechers to begin with. So um, shout out to them for trying. Um, I think that's it. I think that was a good, that, that, I, that I was always like wanted to touch on that anime like, thing like for the <laughs> yeah. longest time, ever since I saw the the Kira collaboration. And Hypebeast always puts out articles about how they feel about um, like anime and streetwear combining and it, it, it makes sense it's not very surprising at all which is cool yeah um, so shout out to ruth for the awesome question um in bigger news and one of the things that i wanted to cover um actually all right totally off topic of streetwear and all this but it, but we always talk about like going into stores and our experience with like retail stores and stuff right yeah so this article that keeps popping up everywhere I look on Yahoo, on Google, whatever, is Amazon just opened up their like first fully automated store like in their Seattle. supermarket. Yeah. yeah. So literally, you walk in, download the app, walk in, grab whatever you want, walk, walk out. out. How yeah. do you feel about that? Because that's, it's pretty cutting edge. That's for, crazy to me. It's like, pretty awesome. It's convenient because you don't have to wait in any lines. No lines. You know what I hate? It's like. Yesterday, I went to Trader Joe's after work. Mind you, I got off at like 8, 8.30. And I had to, and it was so crowded for no reason. <laughs> like I had to wait in line for like 15 minutes. <laughs> and I was buying like three things and there's no express lane at that Trader yeah. Joe's. So I, yeah. it, was, it was all bad. So in that sense, like it's cool, but I don't know. Like it's just, but then it makes it, things so impersonal now, you know? Like, that's yeah, the downside of it. But did you ever really want to talk to somebody at the grocery store? No, not really, but I'm just <laughs> saying, you know? It's yeah, the principle. Yeah, no, no, I get it, yeah. I think with a lot of things, we still need that, like, just somebody to ask us how we're doing. Like a coffee shop, right? Yeah. Coffee shop is a, an important place. It's, like, our first, like, personal like inter like our first personal like um oh, fuck i'm getting a brain fart but the first interaction of of our morning so yeah. it's like the, how we jump started but at the grocery store i'm either looking at my phone or i know exactly where it is and i don't need anybody to ask me where it's to true. find it especially it's if it's my home grocery store you know yeah um but i think that's pretty awesome i think totally unrelated to streetwear but no I mean, no we talk about retail stores and yeah. experiences all the time and i think for this one in particular how could you make that like if we were able to turn that into like some of the, our favorite stores right how would how that could be you able automate to... that so i've actually like i had this idea like a while back for a store basically what it is is like the concept that i had was 
I don't know if I want to share this because someone's going to No, go it. ahead, man. Go um, ahead. Basically, what you would have is like you would walk in and there would be like dis- like a display of like all the products. Yeah. And then there would be like a giant like touch screen or like LCD screen. Whoa. And basically, you just flip through the products and say which one you want. And then there would be like a system that like pulls the product. And Whoa. Like just almost like right a, um, how laundry mats used to work yeah like when they have the thing that goes yeah, around that and rotates it like around your, the whole room and brings your dry cleaning drops down. it off right yeah, in front of you exactly that'd be awesome yeah. like i could imagine that just like a whole wall that's touch screen yeah and you have just like like individual people just p- pointing on the wall that'd yeah. be kind of sick yeah i almost thought of it as like if i were to think of of this whole automated system jumping into like streetwear clothing uh, this was just a crazy idea but it's literally you walk into the store you plant your feet right this thing almost like a like a you know how roller coaster rides have that old over the shoulder thing <laughs> yeah right comes put the thing over your shoulder lifts you up takes you through everything and you're just like looking and it's just all the clothing you're in like a giant warehouse of clothing looking at all the different colors you sounds, know, you sounds know crazy it's, like, it's like a roller coaster what a virtual reality store that would, Didn't we talk about this? We talked about it in like the second episode. How oh, yeah. fucking awesome that would be. Like you walk into the store and you try on the clothes without actually having to try on the clothes. Dude, like you're that'd in be virtual so reality. Sick. Like imagine if you just had like when you're oh no. All right. This is this is cutting edge right here. Not only do you have VR glasses on, right? Yeah. Or VR contacts, whatever they want to do with the future. But say you have a full body suit, like a ninja suit. And when you try on clothes, it's pressurized to certain parts so you know how it feels if you're gonna put on the vr suit you might as well just try on the clothes though at that point right no you could do this from your house though oh my god that's a game changer (laughs) if you're at home and this vr suit is pressurized in specific points and you put on a t-shirt it almost feels as if you're the t-shirt is on you so you put on a small the the suit contracts you put on a large the suit feels loose like just imagine how crazy that would feel and then you just say, hey, check out, get shipped right to your, to your house. house. Insane. Crazy. All right. Well, <laughs> after that <laughs> little rant, tangent. let's get into our, our main topic. Um, so we've been talking a lot about how companies, uh, Supreme and Huff being the most recent ones, have been involved in you know investors and money and things outside of streetwear, things to whether it's you're trying to get your your clothing or your stores into other countries. Maybe you want to up the amount of clothing you guys can distribute and make in general. Um, just money in general sort of is starting to enter the streetwear marketplace a lot more because, you know, things are starting to not necessarily cost more, but some of the amazing things that some of these brands are putting together other brands feel like they can compete with that so they need money to do so so the most recent one and it's crazy because they're not a clothing brand but high snobiety probably like as they say on the internet with the number four in the top the top most visited fashion websites in the country or in the world for the most part so High Snobiety, if you haven't gone, is almost like a watered-down Hypebeast. Sometimes they include things other than what Hypebeast includes sometimes, and you can tell me otherwise if you think so, but I would like to... So it's always my second visit after Hypebeast. I, I just... I like the layout of Hypebeast better in terms of, like, oh, the yeah. website and Definitely. 
ergonomics. Um, ergonomics. But I think, like, I prefer high snobiety. I, I just think the quality of writing on the articles is a lot better. Yeah. And I think they focus more on, I don't know, it just seems more elevated to me. Like, no, they focus. Right. They focus more on the stuff that I'm interested in. Like, I don't yeah. really care about hype stuff like Supreme True. and Bathing Ape. True. Like, it, they do cover that, but not to the extent that Hype Beast does. Yeah. Um, so I go there just because I like how the content's a little bit more refined. So, yeah. Like, I mean, you could imagine, like, when Hype Beast said that they were going to release a magazine, mm-hmm. you almost thought of it as, like, iffy yeah but if high snobiety released a magazine it almost be like all right cool like like, i I, I trust this that's why high snobiety has their like streetwear podcast talks that seems more legitimate than if like hypebeast had one yeah and hypebeast is starting to tailor themselves to be more refined and like less of like like a forum or how they used to be because they still have that bad stigma but i think high snobiety is a bit more reputable in terms of as we grow up. Yeah, I mean, High Snobiety has always been like a hub for like the streetwear community. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no denying that. But like I said, I just like the stuff that they cover on High Snobiety. Yeah. Like, I know there's a lot of stuff that you can find on both. Mm-hmm. So I know there's like a lot of articles that are exactly the same. Yeah. But I think High Snobiety covers a lot of other cool stuff. Like they'll do... Architecture, housing. Yeah, or they'll do like... Um, They'll do like street style, like, yeah. Um, that was really columns cool. like mm-hmm. from Fashion Week that are all original, yeah. Um, that they have their photographers go out and shoot. Yeah. So I think that's really cool too, and just little stuff like that, you know. Yeah. So definitely, High Snobiety listed as the number four most viewed men's fashion or just streetwear site in the world. So basically, what happened is, and just like the whole Supreme. Uh, breakdown we did on their uh investment or their being evaluated at a billion dollars we don't have much specifics because you know we don't really care about the specifics but they were allotted let me let me get the exact number it was a couple million i think it was about 8.5 8.5 million was invested into their company through an outside investor um name wise doesn't really matter but in terms of what that means on the grand scope of things in the article high snobiety explains that this money will help further a couple of different things and i have that in front of me actually so um they receive a backing of about eight and a half million in funding to do these particular things to scale its branded content for e-commerce oh interesting and events business so we could break that down into three different discussions right here so let's talk branded content yeah so that means you know video production video production everything Um, that they do on youtube yeah podcast exactly what else um they're trying to do documentaries they've been doing a lot of um filmed videos of you ever see those videos i think it's a high snobiety and i'm so sorry if it's not but i'm just gonna assume right off the bat it is is they have a a guy from alpha industries that travels to other like vintage like surplus stores surplus stores and tries to find vintage alpha industries jackets i think that's high snobiety i think so too i'm pretty sure that is yeah yeah 
so i mean that's that's already interesting and they do stuff like that all the time yeah Nate's trying to open up a, a seltzer <laughs> water bottle but he thinks it's gonna make too much noise just do it dude, dude it's like it's gonna fucking it's like sneaking into your house look, at night look, trying to make it it's gonna overflow just oh it's gonna overflow how did that even happen i don't know it's been literally sitting on the desk <laughs> for like 30 minutes i don't understand how all right, it's man, like... well do your best to open it whenever you can you probably won't be able to drink out until the end of the episode or something but right. on Anyways. that basically branded content is something they want to expand on and i think it's a great it's a great look because hypebeast puts out a lot of great videos you could almost they're almost trying to be like um like a vice media yeah, but for like streetwear. And exactly. Like to to yeah. the scale that they want to be to yeah. eventually have a channel like, I don't know. What also, channel? Heist Abiety, hit us up for your branded content. That would needs. be nice. Exactly. If they're trying to expand like what they're trying to do in terms of like content wise, like shit. Like, yo, you got 8.5 million to spare. If yo, <laughs> give us a, give us like a, a couple hundred and we'll be perfectly fine. We'll do, a, we'll do your guys' podcast. You know, <laughs> your guys' podcast has been lacking anyway um <laughs> yeah i called you guys out um but yeah on, on that note what else do you think um that sort of like if you had eight and a half million yeah. right and they're like nate i want you to make content for us what kind of what would you do because videos obviously, videos yeah like, definitely um i would do more like journalism so covering a lot of like streetwear events mm-hmm, like stuff that's mm-hmm. going on in the streetwear world um which they already do yeah um but i would just expand on that a little bit more um they're pretty active on social media already yeah but i want to see more like original content from them Mm -hmm. on social media rather than just reposting like random people's photos or like what's going on you know yeah Um, which doesn't cost a lot of money like that could yeah it doesn't but um and then e-commerce, like what do you want to see e-commerce wise e-commerce wise i think they're really trying to build that mr porter looking website so like almost like a hypey store hbx, HBX exactly yeah. so they're looking to make a curated wardrobe for their their viewers or readers or site visitors whatever you want to call it yeah and i think that's good i think they need that you know it, not only does it drive money to their to their account but it also makes them reputable in okay who what sort of brands do we choose to bring into our sort of name um what do we uh, want to want to associate ourselves with so i think that's important for a brand because it gives them even an added reputation to what they already know so they could even bring in you know new brands that haven't been housed for the first time right like so giving imagine a cold wall when they had nobody right imagine if they were their first collection released on high snobiety's web store i think something like that would be really cool giving young designers a chance and and giving them an outlet to yeah something that would be like mutually beneficial yeah and i think it's cool yeah yeah yeah. they're supposed to know about the stuff anyway they're covering new designers and new collections on a daily basis so Mm -hmm. why not list their clothing in their in their web store drive traffic yeah i think that's really cool what Um, do you think I mean, as far as e-commerce, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think, like, that's a really that's a really good tactic in order to bring people to your site because yeah. they're already like probably getting millions of people, of course, on their site, yeah. in general. So why not capitalize on that? You know? Yeah. And I think for for a person like me who already has this perspective of, or this viewpoint of them as like a more elevated kind of 
streetwear publication Mm -hmm. like that for me would probably be big because then it's like i i trust these i trust these people because they already have this keen eye for stuff that i like so therefore i I would gravitate towards that dude exactly and and i was gonna ask you because that is the the exact reason why it would be beneficial to them because unlike an hbx mr porter has and you can already guess off the top of your head what type of brands they have, right? They have Louis Vuitton, they have Gucci, they have like the higher end shit that a hype beast consumer technically doesn't really buy unless they yeah. go to other website. I think just Mr. Porter has, I don't know, Mr. Porter I feel like is more menswear focused, mm-hmm. not necessarily streetwear. So I think that's where they differ a little bit, but... I think High Snobody lies right in the middle, right? So you'll have... A little bit more APC. You'll have this film. You'll have the brands. Not necessarily. I'm gonna call them the the, the higher price brands. Mm-hmm. But for the streetwear enthusiast or the fashion enthusiast, it's the off white. It's right in the middle. Yeah. Of that high fashion and luxury and affordability sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. I think High Snobody should definitely capitalize off something like that. Yeah, and I mean just what's constantly going on today, like we keep talking about, just kind of how. The line is being blurred like yeah. i think not only like clothing brands themselves need to capitalize on that i think e-commerce sites and retailers in general need to capitalize on that more yeah um because i mean why not like it, it exactly makes why not to, you know? it, it's right there like you get a couple web developers you get some people it's, with it's the two sense words of with one stone fashion yeah exactly yeah. e-commerce is the way to go um, the next one, which I have a, a pretty good idea of, of what they could do with this, is events business. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. obviously... A complex con. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. High Snobody has enough reputation, enough uh, clout, whatever, to throw these types of events, right? Even something as small as like a dunk exchange. You get thousands of people that come out. Yeah. All talking about it, tagging it, whatever. Any sort of exposure is good exposure um, if you run these types of events. Yeah, and I think Complex Con, it kind of hit its peak already. Oh, yeah, definitely. It, yeah. This is only, what, the third, second year? Second year. Second year. <laughs> You're I sorry it, for them. I, I've actually never been, but I mean, just from seeing it, like on, seeing it covered, like yeah. on Hastabide or Hypebeast or whatever, Complex, um, it just, I don't know. It's it just seems like it's less of, less and less about what's actually going on and exactly. more about getting your hands on like the latest stuff. How you are know you? What I'm saying? I think the curation part of a lot of these things are falling by the wayside, right? So like if you're a complex con, there's so much more. Like obviously, there's so much more to than just the streetwear aspect to yeah. it, right? I mean, releasing product is one of the main reasons why why people go. But why not make it about? It's about the experience, experience. at the end of the day. Like, yeah. For instance, like when you go to a comic con, like yeah, you might buy like a few things here and there, but it's more about just like the experience, like yeah. seeing, like the stuff that you're interested in, yeah. kind of brought to uh, brought to real life. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's what it should be. That's what it should have been. But it tor- uh, turned more into like a frenzy over. Oh, we need to get like this undefeated release because we can rock it or we can, you know, sell it for a crazy amount of money. You know what I'm saying? So why not? Why like even to cut down on that, right? Like, so 
I'm not going to go to ComplexCon to wait in line for five hours, not even have a chance to roam around the entire convention, mm-hmm. and even not even get the shoe at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, why not just, like, give them a ticket? Give them a lottery ticket. And if you're any of these numbers, show up and wait in line yeah. later on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, the whole experience part is is what Complex is trying to bank off of, and I think it was less... And I'm sure Complex didn't... Well, they kind of did know that all that shit was going to happen but i feel like they almost capitalized off of the culture rather than like trying to ignite it once again you know oh yeah for sure i think like we were saying it was more i feel like it was more about the bottom line than it was about bringing an experience to the consumer like the experience that they that the consumer had was waiting in line yeah (laughs) i mean yeah, you might have had a chance to meet like all these people that you mm-hmm. really admire, but I don't know. They're to me, it just seemed like it was just trying to sell people things. You yeah, know? in yeah. that aspect, I mean, obviously, like people that have their companies there can say like one or the other, like you know, like it provides exposure to new collections and all these other things. Like we're not denying that fact. I think just the experience in general and the overall I, I just think sense. It, I just think it could have been done better. Like yeah, yeah. I don't mind people selling stuff. Like mm-hmm. that's really cool. Like some people's fondest memories of streetwear are lining up for sneakers at like exactly. three AM. So I get yeah. that. I get that for sure. But I think when it becomes all about that and less about enriching people enriching with, is huge yeah like i don't know just giving them an experience that they can remember whether it's like having a workshop or you know letting them like do a diy like customization stuff like That's that i huge. know like a lot of stuff like that went on but i feel like it was less about that and more about the actual items like the actual products that we're yeah. talking, you know make the whole fucking event a workshop yeah. You know, like the same way that like a, I don't know, Adobe, right? You know, like Adobe Premiere, Adobe Illustrator, Photoshop, they have a, a summit every year where they bring, you know, designers or people who are willing to pay the money to get into the convention and experience hands-on new things, learn from the leading people within the, within the industry and actually make something. So I think in that sense, they're not like they're not waiting around. They're not like buying a product. But I think just having more of like an experience or making it less, not necessarily a class, but something where you walk away and was like, that was the most life changing thing I've ever been to. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. So I think Hasanabadi definitely has a lot of room in to capitalize on that. Yeah. Um, as long as they do it well. Yeah. And they do it not only to i mean of course like you want to make money off of it yeah um but i think the real way that you're going to make money off of it is if you if you're providing something to the consumer other yeah. than just selling them shit, and there's a know? lot of blueprints like like you said there has to be something for the consumer at the end yeah. of the day but there's yeah. a lot of blueprints that i hope they don't follow right there's a lot of like there's the agenda there's the um, the complex con, there's a bunch of other trade shows, but I think they, ha- this is their chance to invest that money in their first annual, whatever high snobiety thing and yeah. actually make something worth going to like the fucking, um, Nike off white in the 10, the thing that they had in New York. Yeah. How crazy was that? Like it did amazing. And those things were aired on, on YouTube Everywhere. Live or something yeah. like that. And like I, that's definitely super memorable and i feel like i got a lot more information from that 
than he did from anything aired during uh, during Conflicts Con. Nate's still trying to open his soda. I opened I it. Think I opened we're it. Good. I think we're yes. Good. Insert applause. Shout sound out here. Trader Joe's sparkling water. <laughs> but I think yeah, especially with those three things, I think High Snobody, especially with I don't know how much eight and a half million can get get a company by. I know Realistically, for me and I feel Nate, like that's not a lot. But for me and Nate, eight and a half million can get us very far. Man. But for a company like High Snobody, um, I'm not sure what that means. I don't even know, like how much revenue they do they do. I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, from what I read, everything is all profits are made like in house. So like anytime they have ads or obviously advertisers, that's one way. They don't have an online store yet, so the, there's no income coming through there. But interesting yeah. so i don't know like yeah you're right like with with the amount of views they get on a on a weekly basis or yearly basis i, I don't really know how, how they really make their money it's almost like having a newspaper at this point <laughs> just all ads yeah um but another point and what does this mean in terms of where the industry is growing in terms of this investors are starting to see that this industry of streetwear these media publications as they're calling them in terms of hypebeast high snobiety nice kicks sneaker news all of these like ones that people are visiting millions of people on a yearly basis right mm -hmm. this what, industry yeah. is seen as being of high growth what does that necessarily mean in terms of do you see people jumping into this game and treating it like it's some sort of stock market now in that this is where all our attention is yeah i mean i think like we keep on saying streetwear is becoming more and more part of mainstream pop culture yeah. so obviously people are going to want to jump on that and you know obviously they want they want to invest in it because mm -hmm. it's going to continue to grow and grow until it finally course. reaches its peak so when um, people call when in the last episode we said streetwear is at its peak mm -hmm. yet with something like this they're investing what's probably not a lot to this investment firm, but they're investing money into something that we're saying is almost hitting its peak. I mean, I think for us as people who have kind of experienced streetwear from like a very young age, from yeah. like the early 2000s, I think for us, like it's reached its peak. But yeah. for the younger consumer, so let's say people who are 16, 17, 18, and even people younger than that, like, this is this to them is just like the beginning you know what mm. i'm saying like this is all they know they haven't yeah. had experience they don't know what it was like before that you know no, that's true so i think it's all subjective depending on you know your own perspective like yeah. when you were born when you started adopting streetwear things like that like that obviously has a lot to that's play, definitely a, a great way to, to look at it and i think in that sense it is smart to to get in while you can essentially yeah. as they they say in a in investor terms to yeah. put put money into into companies that you think are going to be that you think are is where all attention will be sort of narrowed in on so question then who's next where's the money going to go next what publication what streetwear brand what footwear brand whatever who do you think is going to be next because this is the third one within a couple months that we've heard this sort of news about yeah um it's a good question. Thinking like impact on the culture right now, influence, where all our attention is, awareness. There's just a lot of things that I'm sure goes into a lot of this, but I don't really know. I don't know. Because High Snobiety came out of the woodworks. I wouldn't think them at all, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, I, I, I don't know. 
is it a clothing brand is it it's a, it's a it's a tough one to to sort of pinpoint on because like you obviously know like high beast is at the pinnacle you have high snobiety which is trailing right after freshness mag i don't know what the hell happened to them that was like a another like a third one that was trailing behind that would be like the fourth site i'd visited um but i think in terms of social influence and awareness and where people are sort of their eyes are going towards i think it'd be it would be a clothing brand next and i think in terms of just like a wider spread of of influence but this is what i think is going to happen i think there's going to be it's not going to be a brand but I think there's going to be a collective of designers and somebody is going to invest in designers or the heads of these streetwear companies, right? They're going to almost like a union, not the store, but I mean like a, a streetwear designer union, all the people that are getting all the, the, the eyes and the awareness now. Yeah. I feel like they're going to be the ones that people start investing in. There's going to be like some crazy like collective that forms almost like the X-Men <laughs> of streetwear designers. I mean, yeah, that's a possibility. But I mean, what that's different from it is different from, you know, a single brand receiving funding, yeah. like it's multiple people. But I think in the same like concept, it's still the same. Like you're paying somebody to create something that exactly. they're going to make money off of. Whether so. it's to produce at like a higher or a larger rate or at yeah. scale or um, anything like that. I feel like that's what these investors are, are jumping in on because Invest at, the in end, us. at the end of the day, <laughs> their names are attached to us. And yeah, come on now. Like we would like to get out of these random offices. You know, that we're in. like one, two, two thousand. We, we'd like to, we'd like to upgrade to some better computers, some better mics. Nate here is working off of some Apple, Apple headphones. headphones once again. Um, so yeah, definitely like invest in us at the end of the day. That is the, the main <laughs> point the of this episode. <laughs> this episode is entitled invest in no chance podcast. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please. We're desperate. Um, but I think, at at the end of the day, we'd always we always shout out our listeners. I can't like I'm still pretty baffled by the fact that we still get like a hundred plus in under a week. We we're struggling to get that within a month, maybe two months. So, man, so appreciative of anybody that's ever listened to an episode. Of course. And even if we jump into the millions and millions of listens later on down the road, maybe. we're still gonna shout out people by first name on yeah. a first name basis so shout out to you guys uh i think that's a i think we can end that's it there a wrap yeah we were trying to hit like a 30 minute mark but we ended up hitting 55 the hour, minutes yeah the hour Jeez. mark so yeah as always episode 23 of the no chance podcast our jordan episode shout out to you guys as always ryan and nate and we're out peace yeah